right now the big sky is a lock for five teams as long as one of these teams don't just have a complete failure and lose to really bad teams like a, a idaho state like cal poly and just completely plumish yeah there's going to be five big sky teams in the playoffs not six not four there's going to be five official podcast of FCS Fan Station with your hosts Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Jamie Williams. FCS Fans Nation. Welcome to the podcast. You are joined by your normal crew, the three losers, Kyler, Matthew, Jamie. Not a winner in the house this weekend. Uh, the Eagles are down. The bison are turned into bison burgers by a bunch of jackrabbits, and the poor Dukes took their first FBS loss. But hey, we still have grins on our faces, and we're still here to present a good podcast show for you guys. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Jamie rocking the Idaho Vandals shirt. Your Bills got a big win today. At least you're up half the weekend. Kyler and I are looking like we're going to be 0-2 in the NFL and college realm. So I'm just going to ask you how you're doing. Well, I'm doing pretty good now that uh, Josh Allen bailed me out. And by bailing Josh Allen out, I'm going to bring it back to the FCS game ceiling interception, Taran Johnson, Weber State. Woohoo! FCS represented. Um, if you guys are joining us, you're either on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We haven't plugged that much this year, but make sure you subscribe. Uh, thank you so much for the support. Everything kind of builds every year when we do this podcast. In the last two weeks, we've eclipsed over 1,000 views on YouTube and 1,500 plus total average throughout our platform. So thank you so much for the support, guys. We're getting into the meat of these schedules in the conferences. And uh, Kyler, you, despite the Eagle results, you, you still feeling pretty excited about the FCS as a whole? Uh, yeah. Montana lost. <laughs> North Dakota State lost. <laughs> like, you know what? If I can get 50%, you know, of course, Eastern's down. It is what it is. But if those other two programs lose, it's not that bad of a weekend. But the Mariners' loss is pretty tough overall. Packers mm. just got beat down. But can I say this? We've been doing this podcast since 2016, 17? Yeah, 17. we did one episode in 16. It wasn't pretty, but I guess you could count it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so here is the thing. Is this the first time all three of our teams have lost in the same exact week? It's got to be. It's got to yeah. be. Normally, I'm the one because you guys have, you know, played a little bit better since the 2016 realm, uh, where normally I'm the one loser and, you know, maybe every now and then you'll have a slip up. But all three of us at the same time, man, we band together. We well, you really band wanna, together. You want to know a good pull, and our credit goes to uh, Stone Levanowitz for this research. Yesterday was the first time that North Dakota State and Alabama lost on the same day since 2007. Well, it, it was if I was a Bama and NDSU fan, that would be great. That would mean I would have graduated high school and just basically never seen losses. So that wouldn't have been too bad. Um, but I am not rocking 
NDSU gear if you guys are watching on YouTube. Um, I am going with Southeastern Louisiana. <laughs> I had to message Danny late. Danny, I'm so sorry. I was a bad North Dakota nice, and I didn't say thank you to you right away when it arrived in the mail. But you are like the kindest gentleman in the world. Sent me some Southeastern Louisiana Lion gear. I don't think people understand how much I rep these kind of t-shirts and hats you send me in normal day-to-day -day life. But I love walking around Fargo just wearing random FCS gear and getting looks from Bison fans. So oh my I'm wrapping it for you, Danny. Thank you so much for sending it. If anybody sends us anything, we're going to wear it on the podcast. So yeah, my Danny's wife... the exact same in person, dude. He's, he's a, just, a, yeah. just a great guy. He sounds like a great guy. But my wife was doing laundry the other day. And... um she's watch, washing all these random clothes and she's like, Jesus Christ, you always, you know, get mad at me the last five years for buying so much clothes. Now you have random colleges every single week arriving at your door. I'm like, no, honey, I promise I am not buying these. We just have really cool people who are sending me stuff. And so she's like, well, fine. I'm not for shopping for you again. She bought all of my stuff prior. Now, now she's like, I'm not shopping for you. You have enough clothes. Yeah. You don't need to. I got my to. McNeese logos in the background, SFA hat on. Yeah, if you guys want your stuff represented, we're not telling, we've never told anybody to buy us stuff. But if you want to reach out like Danny and others, we're not going to say no. We'll wear it. And, you know, obviously, thank you for the generosity of SCS Fans Nation for, uh, you know, sharing the love of your school with us. And we'll share it on the podcast. I've got a couple schools that I've received over the last couple of weeks that will be represented moving forward. But my role to be represented, you got to win. You got to win, and that's why he's rocking Idaho. We're going to get into some of these big victories, and we're going to kick it off right now on the Big 7. The top seven FCS topics of the week. This is the Big 7. All right, guys, kicking it off with the matchup of the year. Uh, how about those Jackrabbits? Break down the number one versus number two. Uh, as I got to do a quick edit here on YouTube, number one versus number two matchup. Uh, Mr. Dustin Perman wants to know, congrats to your big win there, Dustin. Uh, so we see NDSU choke down a horrific loss and a victory for the FCS as a whole and for the Jackrabbits as they retain the Dakota marker. Uh, so guys, what are your takeaways from this game where I was receiving messages in a bad coverage dome with no Wi-Fi about how NDSU was murdering SDSU and I was seen in front of my eyes, but the tide shifted. Kyler, what is your takeaway from what is now the number one team in the nation, undoubtedly when the polls come out, the SDSU Jackrabbits? Yeah, it was fun um, just because, of course, we saw NDSU jump out to a big lead. I mean, it was looking like this was potentially going to be a pretty ugly game. Then all of a sudden halftime happened um sdsu's coaching staff made amazing phenomenal second half adjustments completely shut down north dakota state and i mean i loved it <laughs> it, it was going on the same time the idaho montana game was on so i was cheering i was having a good time but i mean it was nice to you know see south dakota state's defense completely switch gears in the second half because that first half i mean if you were also on the twitter sphere a lot of S sdsu fans were like well, where's this defense we always, you know, were touted about that we were trying to defend this whole time. And then all of a sudden North Dakota state was slicing through like, you know, Swiss cheese. It was pretty easy that first quarter and a half, but yeah, the second half, uh, second half adjustments were really impressive. I mean, I, I got to give credit to SDSU for that. I don't think I've ever seen anyone shut down North Dakota state the way I saw 
South Dakota State shut them down. And, and you guys have had battles between this rivalry for a while, right? But I have never seen a half completely shut down like that from North Dakota State. Now, there was one drive that I wasn't a big fan of. Uh, in, in, I mean, I was a big fan of it because it didn't go NDSU's way. But I wasn't a big fan of kind of what was going on. So, of course, there was that taunting penalty. I thought that's ridiculous. Uh, that was against, you know, NDSU's quarterback. You got to let the kids have a little bit of fun. There was nothing ill will. There was nothing aggressive. No one got hurt in a in a little bow and arrow thing after, you know, threw a dime. But then the next play after that, man, it was pretty rough or maybe two plays after. There was a wide receiver way open on the right side of the field, which would have been an easy touchdown. But NDSU's quarterback hikes the ball. He made one read, one read only. You knew where he was throwing the ball. It ended up being a pick. That play could have changed the whole game because if he just spent one more second and he had time in the pocket, it's not like he had to force that throw. He had a few seconds. If he just made a read, not just automatically thrown to the very first guy before the play that he was already anticipating throwing to, it's a touchdown. We're probably having a whole different discussion right now. NDSU probably wins because that just... That, that series of events changed the whole momentum of the game, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, give credit to South Dakota State, man. They look fantastic, and that's why I'm supporting that hat tonight. So, sorry, Matt. You got to look at this the whole hour, sucker. That's okay. You know, as everybody knows, I picked uh, SDSU to win actually 24-13. to 13. I thought it wouldn't even be close. I thought SDSU was really going to control the game. I felt something for the first year, uh, first time this year uh, throughout that whole first half as a Bison fan. It, it was not kind of nerves and worry over dumb discipline uh, problems and stupid mentalities and bad mistakes and questionable play calling. I just felt pride. I mean, it's a, it sounds dumb and nobody's going to care what a Bison fan thinks, but like, I was just so proud. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is exactly what we expected this team to be. They heard the narratives. They heard the sound. And boy, you're right, Kyler. It was like a switch just flipped after that turnover. And I mean, I'm not a fan of the showboating, no matter what, you know, you can tout bison culture and all this stuff, but, you know, save it for after you score a touchdown at least. And there's other ways to do that. Even if the ref makes a stupid call, um, I got to give a lot of credit to South Dakota state. I mean, they could have gone into that locker room just dead and down. And I think that's what most people would have thought, right? Like South Dakota state, it's the big pressure game. It's the big moment. It's not just the Dakota marker. This means so much more. So this is the Jackrabbits we expect. And for them to actually just come out and defensively, defensively basically call NDSU's bluff, I think they knew, hey, NDSU staff is the kind of staff that will go, we need 10 points and then we're going to win the game because they, they won't be able to catch up. And that's what NDSU does. They, they shut things down and they tweak into what will get the job done. And South Dakota State called that bluff. They said, oh, they're probably not going to throw as much with Miller, even though they should. They're probably going to try to force that A-power gap, even though they shouldn't. And uh, it just took a few field goals and slow rolled it. Uh, Coach Stig made the right call of going for a field goal at the end and not trying to go for it on literally fourth and goal at the one. He was like, I'm going to take the three points, only be up two, and trust the strength of this team, which is the defense. So my takeaway is I expected the Jackrabbits to win. I picked them to do it. Uh, if you want the biased Bison take, it's um, number one, the literally the worst loss in the dome I've ever seen in my life in terms of a giant choke job. But number two is I'm not shocked of the fact that it did happen the way this year. 
because NDSU has been undisciplined and not playing well this entire season. And uh, I did look this up. People are probably going to still make arguments for NDSU as number two, number three. I still would not want to face them in the playoffs if I'm anybody. But their combined, the combined record of the teams they beat is eight and 23. And then they've lost to Arizona and SDSU. Drake, NCANT, USD, Youngstown, the Sycamores. Trash. Bad teams. So, like, if you're thinking, like, well, it was a great game between one and two, so I'm going to keep them at two. I mean, NDSU could still travel in the semis and get the Frisco. No one would be shocked. But right now on paper, man, NDSU has got a lot to overcome. And that game against Southern Illinois and other games are going to be tough. So, Jamie, any takeaways here as you were uh, becoming pretty high in the Jackrabbits uh, almost coming into this game? Yeah, I mean, I had uh, South Dakota State number one last week just because they looked the part. NDSU has struggled. And you just said it. They're not playing up to their standards based off of what you expect. Now, you did win the taco bet, Matt, so you can think something away because NDSU did run for over 100 yards on the Jackrabbits. No, no, I lost. No, I won. It was Davis going over 150, and I said he won't. Never. Well, that's another one. Uh, Jamie, I've got the update on taco bets coming up in this episode. I thought you won that one, so never mind. You're a loser all weekend. Uh, (laughs) But the thing is, NDSU had 99 rushing yards at the half, so you know they're going to crest that, and that's not – be all in all, it is, it is good to get 100 yards on a defense like that. They wound up with 127. But look across the, the way. Isaiah Davis had 114 by himself. Lamar Johnson had 89. And they did that a combined 26 carries, 8.1 and 7.4 per carry. That's not NDSU football. And those are the cracks that we're seeing. And when you get into the playoffs, people run the ball. People are balanced on offense. And you can't just expect that, okay, our, our front four is just going to lock down the run game so we can drop into coverage and worry about the pass and create a bunch of turnovers. I mean, Michael Tootsie is, is the leading tackler yesterday. How often is your safety a leading tackler? I mean, I know he gets up in the play. He's a good run stuffer, but it just, this isn't, this isn't your older brother's NDSU. And like I said, that's not to say that down the road that they're not going to fix some things and whip Southern Illinois and be the three seed or even the two and, walk into Frisco and do what they do, but there are cracks and South Dakota state was good enough to take advantage of them. Indiana state's not very good, but they took advantage of some of them. I mean, they had an 82 yard run. They've had some big runs. So there are definitely holes there that the second half really exposed with only 59 yards of offense also for North Dakota state, because as people have said, you can't just rely on Cam Miller to go put the ball, you know, ball in his hand to go win it, even though he looked really good in the first half. Overall, you know, after that dumb, dumb mistake, like I said, I, I kind of, you know, I say like, I don't like Kyle, let him play, but it was all downhill from there. I don't know, you know what it was, but from there on, it was not, not a good look for, for the mighty Bison. And to me, they're not the number two team. There are many teams that are unbeaten against FCS competition that have good wins that they need to fall behind and you know, they can win games and work their way back up, but they're not in my top five this week. Is Matt, Matt, quick question for you. Is this the first time in maybe the last five years, NDSU hasn't had in your opinion, because it's my opinion in my opinion is not always correct. An NFL caliber quarterback and an NFL caliber wide receiver. 
I mean, Christian Watson is really the only one you could say is really Gary Shepard. Yeah, Gary Shepard, but Gary Shepard didn't do well once he hit the league. Like he's well, either is Christian Watson so far. But I'm just saying, versus FCS, big difference, big jump up from playing on the Packers. Um, both of those guys all the way to um, you know, yeah, they the undoubtedly FCS. don't have those guys. Um, but they have what they had in that 2011 to 2013 stretch, which is enough to do it. The the, the most shocking thing is how senior ridden this team is. I mean, this is a Heavy experience the, group. The front seven is something that we've never seen ex- NDOCU no. experience. And we talked about it last week. I mean, that's why the taco bet was, does Isaiah Davis, is he going to have 150 rushing yards, right? I believe that's what it was. Because McLaughlin ran all over him. Indiana State ran all over him. Um, yeah, the front seven. I mean, Isaiah Davis ran for, what, eight yards of carry? Something ridiculous, almost nine yards of carry. 8.1. Yeah, so, I mean, that is something we don't typically see from NDSU. The front seven, there's something going on with the front seven um, because they haven't, like you alluded to, they haven't played just this monstrous schedule week in, week out. They played a pretty mediocre schedule up until last week or this week, right? South Dakota State, no slouch. I don't think anyone is going to be shocked that the number one, the number two team beat the number one team. That is not a shocker. Uh, what is a shocker is how the run defense has been performing which is typically a top five run defense. And I think they're ranked somewhere in the sixties, seventies. I know they were last week and I don't anticipate it increased by 30, 40 spots this week. Um, yeah. It's been interesting. Yeah. The uh, front seven, the defense line's actually starting to play a lot better, I think. And they had a good game yesterday. Spencer Wager was causing havoc in the first half. Um, but the linebackers have major problems. The linebackers are constantly out of position and they're missing tackles. That is a big, if you can get past that first initial line, you're going to probably be able to break a tackle and keep on going. So I'll trade that's you. really the negative of it. But I could kind of hound on NDSU all day uh, after Saturday, but credit Still to the Jackrabbits. <laughs> credit to the Jackrabbits. Uh, their fans are great. Uh, I got to go with Jackrabbit Illustrated. We did a little pre-podcast before up at Buffalo Wild Wings. That was a lot of fun. Got to see Thumper and the crew and uh, got to meet Peter Hagen, who's got our next question and a few other folks. So. It was a lot of fun there. Got my boy Emmett, and we enjoyed a, a fun and competitive game. And so we move away from NDSU, and we go sticking with South Dakota State. And Peter wants to know, is the number one seed now South Dakota State's to lose? Um, I think this is an easy answer, but also, what do we kind of see out of the remaining schedule? And if you're watching on YouTube, I'm getting it pulled up now. What do you think, Jamie? Is it driver's seat time for South Dakota State if they keep winning for that top two seed? Oh, if they... If they keep winning, no doubt about it, they're going to be probably the one. They could be the two, depending on what happens in the big sky. But they can't afford a loss, I mean, at this point. I mean, everybody might wind up with a loss because the big sky guys might beat each other up in a rotation. Um, but South Dakota State's got to avoid the letdown this week. Going to the Alaris Center, as much as people might make fun of North Dakota, is not an easy trip. Yeah, they're good there. I, I think they only lost one game in, I don't know, for the last few years, and that was last year's uh, Bison game. Um, it's, it's a tough place to play, uh, coming off a huge win. Uh, they got to be careful. After that, I, I don't see any way they trip up in those other games behind. And the funny thing is, their, their bye is the last week of the season, November right. the 19th. Nobody, everybody else is going to be playing. They're going to be home and cooled. 
I would be a little worried for at that point. Just you get out of your football rhythm. You have your bye week, then you're going to get another bye week as a seed, most likely. They they better hope they get like I don't know somebody <laughs> somebody not as good. Yeah, they um, could have a maybe maybe get your uh, classic pioneer league team that might beat a big sky the fifth big sky team and then show up in south dakota state hey, you might that get happens. a montana that happens every now and then um, Proximity, think, you might get a montana yeah you might get montana yeah. um they they really are in the driver's seat peter i mean it's uh, no question if ndsu had won yesterday we'd be saying the same thing uh there's no doubt they're going to crush the sycamores and the redbirds those two games at home are easy money yeah it really relies on und i'm not sold on northern iowa at all i don't care about the they're just not a good team this year um i guess south dakota state always kind of has a little struggle with them and it's hard to play in the uni dome but i i just see if they can beat und this weekend they're in the driver's seat for the one seed i actually don't even care or think what happens in the big sky i don't montana state maybe could compete with them but if sdsu defeats ndsu beats und and remember kyler commented on this quality wins at the time and then you add in a Missouri State, the only four-point loss to Iowa, winning the Missouri Valley outright, undefeated versus the FCS. I think they are undoubtedly the one seed, and I don't, I don't, I wouldn't see Montana State or somebody else going over top of them. But Tyler adamantly disagrees, I guess. Yeah, I think they're the one seed as of right now because I, I don't anticipate a Big Sky team running the table. But at the end of the day, if Weber State runs the table, they're going to have more ranked top 10, top five wins than South Dakota State. They're going to have an FBS win. I mean, those are all things that will play into part. Because right now, for, when I look at the Valley, I think there's two elite teams, two good teams. And I've never said this. The rest of the Valley is really bad. It, it is very bad this year. The Big Sky stacked this year. There's a few bad teams, but Weber State, if they, if they somehow do it, they play Montana State, a top four team. They play um sac state a top three team they play like they have a gauntlet that they're gonna have to do plus an, an fbs win if sac state goes they play montana weber state um i mean they're gonna have more top five wins than south dakota state can have and i get it missouri state was ranked at the time and that's sometimes what the committee does missouri state is not a good team they are a good quarterback a really bad team so i would be South Dakota State could still get a one seed, even if all that happens, because I also, again, I don't think Weaver State and Sac State go undefeated. I think each of them are going to have one loss. But if they gave South Dakota State a one seed, if one of those other teams ran a gauntlet and had an FBS win, then that is pathetic for the committee showing. I mean, I'll just say that. that. They wouldn't do it, though. They they probably would. There's been Valley bias. Northern Iowa has been in the playoffs, even though with six wins multiple times, and they probably didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. But they're pretty good with the seeding of just like the basic structure of like the FBS win but plus on potentially. But again, oh, if no. Weber or Sac State run the table, and it's only if those two do, or you know Montana's no, because the Weber and Sac State they at least have that FBS win, which changes things. So if they run the table, those are the only two teams that I think we could potentially overthrow uh, South Dakota state for the one seed either way though, South Dakota state would have a one or two, no matter what. But I mean, Sac state and Weber state play each other. Weber state, Montana state play each other. Sac state plays, you know, everyone, but Montana state. So it's a little different, but yeah, Weber, Weber could potentially jump over them 
Same with Sac State if they run the table and have their FBS win. We'll, we'll, know, also, on no, we'll know on November 5th. Yeah, the next we'll know three on November games, 5th. The next three games are Weber State at Montana State, and then at home at Stewart Stadium, they get Montana and Sac State. So they've got the three competitors right behind them, and two yeah. of them are at home. So if they go to Bozeman and get a win, Weber State's going to be sitting pretty solid. And if they count the ranked win at the time, even though I didn't have Eastern ranked, Eastern would still be a ranked win, just like Missouri State. Yep. Um, okay, you're both you're both you're both not allowed to talk anymore for three seconds. With Idaho's win, will the Big Sky get five teams in the playoff? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Markham asks, and Dustin Elton says, "Will Idaho win out the rest of the way?" You guys were crushing that right into question number three. Actually, it was number four, but the dialogue was so good, I swapped it around. So, Kyler, you are now allowed to continue. Uh, because let's answer Andrews with exactly what you're talking about with the big sky. 100% the big sky is getting five. Um, Montana had a very easy first five games. They already kind of solidified the wins. They just need to win two more games they're in. Montana State, pretty easy front half of the schedule. Seems like they're already a lock to be in, even if they lose. Weaver State, Sac State has dominated, and they have an FBS win. They're already going to be in no matter what it seems like. And then Idaho, they actually do not have a tough schedule moving forward. They have Sac State left for a good team. That is it. They're going to have seven wins plus. They are going to be in. There's a chance that they're going to be, what is it, eight and one versus the FCS? You can't keep that out. You can't keep that out. And especially when you look at the Valley, who North Dakota struggled versus one of the worst teams in Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona should have won. And that is the Missouri Valley's third or fourth best team. Missouri Valley's third best team got blown out by 40 by Incarnate Word. Then they lost to SEMO. South Dakota State struggled a little bit versus UC Davis. Right now, the Big Sky is a lock for five teams as long as one of these teams don't just have a complete failure and lose to really bad teams like a, a Idaho State, a Cal Poly, and just completely plumish. Yeah, there's going to be five Big Sky teams in the playoffs, not six. Not four. There's going to be five. Man, Colin, five. Jamie, do you see it the same way, my man? Yeah, I mean, there's no way around it. I mean, Idaho, I think Idaho can afford one loss mm-hmm. no matter who it's to. They could lose to Idaho State if that's their one loss because then they will also have beaten Sacramento State. Idaho's in pretty good shape, and Jason Eck has that team believing. I uh, might hear his name come up in a later question uh, as an answer. Um We'll see. But yeah, Idaho is putting the big sky on notice that it's not a four team race. They are knocking at the door. And if they can go to Sacramento in two weeks and get a win, tell me how they lose at a big sky game. And that that's even one of those, they go <laughs> nine and over versus the FCS. They have two top five wins. They probably should even get a seed because their yep. only losses would be at P five programs. But I, I mean, the Sac State, I'm not going to predict that Idaho win. No, yet. no. Sac State looks pretty no. beefy. Um, but yeah, there's five teams in the playoffs. I think already, I think Idaho is the one that's a for sure. Actually, I think all five are a lock. I'll, I'll say it right now. I think five is a lock. Yeah. If they don't get five, I'll just say, what the heck? And I'll just, yeah. you know, it'll throw me off like crazy. And uh, Idaho, will they win out the rest of the wave to answer revs? Uh, most of us, I think, here at least think one or two losses is coming uh, at some point. That Sac State game is going to be tough on the road. So 
Well, Dan Hawkins playground. has played Idaho well, being that former Boise guy. Um, UC Davis is no slouch. They're they're pretty competitive versus South Dakota State and Weber. <laughs> I mean, they were just a few seconds away from tying it versus South Dakota State and, you know, one big play away from beating Weber. Uh, so, yeah, they don't have the toughest schedule in the Big Sky remaining, but they have two games that could shake things up, but I, I think they only lose one game. Well, hopefully we get more chaos. It's more fun that way. And speaking of chaos, I don't know how many people are actually picking Idaho to win. Um, I definitely wasn't, so I'm sorry I didn't have faith in you there, Chris and the crew. But Nicholas Deal wants to know, are the Grizz a paper tiger? Okay, time to have a little bit of a conversation. I have pumped my chest and pounded the table for the Montana Grizz being like the Frisco team that could compete with the Dakotas. But I've basically been wrong on everything this year, so take whatever I say with a grain of salt. Um, Paper Tiger there, Jamie, the Grizz, what do you think about them after coming off this loss? We were all super high on them. I'm not prepared to call them a paper tiger at this point. Um, they've got Sacramento State and Weber State both on the road the next two weeks, uh, so they could very well show to be one. But a loss at home to Idaho this year isn't as bad as a loss at Idaho would have been under Paul Petrino. Just ask their fan base. <laughs> uh, they would have tell you. But, you know, I think that maybe they're not a top five team. Maybe they're a top 15 team instead and i know they've they've beaten who they've beaten fairly easily but then you get it into the last couple weeks the state of idaho is not their friend they went to pocatello and won by eight and then idaho came to missoula and beat them so and, and coming off a bye week they had an extra week so yeah paper tiger not prepared to go there but not a semifinal team i guess might be though after the next five weeks we're gonna we're about to learn because i think i definitely undervalued this of what's coming up in the next five six weeks and it almost takes a a a google search over and over again for me to be reminded how different the front of their schedule is and what it is now and most people would have included idaho as like the guaranteed win to now start the tough part of the schedule and if you're watching on youtube you're seeing at sacramento state at weber state they're going to host Cal Poly, but Eastern Washington comes to town. Eastern hasn't been good, but it's still Eastern Washington. There's still history there. And then they got to go to the Brawl of the Wild at the end at Montana State. That is brutal. Um, I still think they're a playoff team, and I still think they've got perfect capabilities to get to the semifinals. But they are going to have to win to set themselves up in position because I don't think people fear Montana as much if it's outside of Montana in December. So, Kyler, you're saying five playoff teams, but what do you think about the Grizz now, man, after that result? Oh, well, they're going to beat Cal Poly in Eastern Washington, so that's going to lock them in even if they lose the other teams. It's seventeen or seven wins. It is the Grizz, or that might be eight wins. That's eight wins for them, even if the strength of schedule and they didn't beat anyone good. Still eight wins, and it is Montana. The committee's going to bring them in, especially their AD is on the committee. I know he can't be in the voting process, but you cannot see there's not politics going on if he is in the committee. Uh, but I don't think Montana's paper tigers. Um, I, the Vandals, they got a bye week too. It was weird. Both teams had a bye week, I'm pretty sure. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I but I'm right. I think both teams had a bye week. They prepped well. Um, here's a few things that probably Montana fans aren't going to agree with. So for one, 
I really do think Montana is lacking some of the skill positions. Um, there, there's a reason why, and I know there's a few NDSU fans who yell at me when I say this, North Dakota State does not have a lot of kids from North Dakota. They do not have a lot of kids on their roster from North Dakota. Montana has 51 kids on their roster from Montana. It is awesome. They're passionate. They will fight tooth and nail for that program. They got a lot of physicality. They got a lot of size. I do not think they have elite skill positions. And I do think you need to recruit nowadays out of your state a little bit more. Uh, there's there's four times the amount of population in just Seattle as there is the whole state of Montana. There's more athletes across the West Coast. I do think you need to recruit a little bit more because we saw Idaho versus them. There was a talent mismatch defensive to offensively. Idaho has a very good and talented front seven. Their DBs were really bad last year, but they're extremely physical. They're fast. They get to the ball. They swarm. But Idaho has had a lot of talent for a while. They just haven't been able to coach it. We saw the talent mismatch on paper when uh, Montana played them. Idaho shut them down offensively. Montana had 180 yards, and most of that was pretty much in the first half. Um, there was a, a momentum shift, kind of like the NDSU shift. And you probably didn't see this, Matt, because you were at the game. Coming out at halftime, this is how ballsy Eck is. Onside kick. Now, that's coming out of halftime. They were down. They were down by three, I think it was. And they're like, you know what? We're just going to surprise some things. We did an onside kick. Now, it didn't go 10 yards. But the Montana football player muffed it. That was the change of it. Idaho grabbed the ball. They <laughs> drove down the field, scored on that possession. And you just saw all the life out of the Montana fans, out of the team, just kind of get sucked away, just like that play on NDSU that I talked about earlier. There yeah, was a I giant momentum shift. Mm -hmm. Idaho wanted it more. Eck wanted it a lot. Um, you could tell he's getting those players ready. But I do think Montana, if they need to be this powerhouse of what they used to be, they got to change a few things up. This is not the big sky of the 2000s to 2010s. This is a little bit different. A lot more talent in the big sky. A lot better coaching in the big sky overall. You need to get better overall skill positions. I think they got Bergen, who's solid. I think they got some solid, fast return guys. And then their defense is stacked um, with a lot of speed, physicality, and size. But it is a little bit different. You need to hop out of Montana a little bit, I do think. And I think that will go a long way, especially with NIL, with your facilities, with your fan base. If you are trying to recruit San Jose, uh, Utah State, Eastern, all of these other schools and quite a bit of Mountain West schools, and then they go and look at Montana, you should be able to pull those Mountain West kids. I mean, you really should. There's A lot of the Mountain West isn't in college-ridden towns where you are the professional team in that state. You should be able to have a little bit of pull to sway some of those kids. So, um, no, but I don't think they're paper tigers. I just think they are what they are. Um, there's a lot of good teams in the big sky this year. It is what it is. It's it's the anniversary of that two-day Denny Green. They are who we thought they were. Oh, really? That's cool. It's Today is the anniversary. We're recording on Sunday here. Well, you're welcome. Uh, I knew that. We let them off the hook. Um, so it's, we're keeping things rolling here. I uh, promise this will be the last big NDSU Montana SDSU talk topic, big one, at least, um, Brandon Owens, great question here. How does this weekend's results affect NDSU and Montana in the long term? Will either of them have another loss? Jamie, when you look across those schedules, um, I'll start with 
you know, maybe it's not so easy anymore, but we'll start with what I think should be an easier answer with NDSU. Their schedule's pulled up on YouTube here. Um, do you see another loss? And what do you think are the impacts of this loss for their seeding? Uh, the only place I could see is probably at Southern Illinois, the way that the Salukis have been playing since the arrival of the Sock Luki that Dustin Helton loves. Uh, our buddy, the Rev, loves the Sock Luki, and I don't think that they've lost since that thing came out against mm-hmm. Northwestern. Um, North Dakota is interesting to me because I think they're a good team, but I think they've got that little brother complex where they can't beat them. Um, so Southern Illinois could beat them, and if NDSU loses that game, they're traveling in the playoffs. And that's a foreign concept for them in, in the fall seasons. So I, I think that's big, but, you know, they got the bye week this week to regroup. They've got two cream puffs. Well, Illinois doesn't look as much a cream puff. I mean, they've, they've definitely competed. Although I'll, I'll say North Dakota State wins those next two games very easily, and then we'll see what they do in the last two. If they win out, they're going to be a top four seed, just to at worst. And if they lose one, they might fall out of the seeds or wind up as an eight, depending on what happens around the country. Right now, there's a lot of teams unbeaten against FCS competition, and I know that's going to reduce as some of those teams start playing each other, but that's what I see for uh, the Bison as of right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Southern Illinois. I'm kind of with you. It, um, I think they'll take care of uh, – they're not going to – NDSU, UND. NDSU has kind of had that number for a little while. Bouncing the Grizz right back up on the screen here, Kyler. Uh, do you see, you probably see one loss. Do you see two? And what are the impacts of this moving forward into the playoffs? I mean, if, if Grizz went out, they're going to have a top three resume, even though they have a loss to Idaho. I mean, if they somehow can pull it off and win out, that is three top five teams. They would have the best resume, even with a loss potentially. Um, but I do think they win one to two more. Um, they're definitely going to win against Cal Poly and Eastern Washington. Both of those teams can't stop anyone. They're going to be able to, even if they have a bad offense, they're going to be able to still move the ball down the field. Um, Weber and Sac State, that's going to be tough. Those two teams look amazing. Montana State's now figuring it out too. So, yeah, they're, they're going to have anywhere from two to three more losses um, I would anticipate too. They're probably going to upset one of those teams because now it's considered an upset, which is still crazy. Um, but yeah, they'll be fine moving forward. But if they lose one more, yeah, they're out of the, they're out of a seed. It's um, brutal. They get all those teams on the road. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, And I really think NDSU and Montana, outside of chaos, have probably punted on a top two seed. Now there's a chance one of them slips in if you know. SDSU trips up or Montana runs the table, but you got to play the odds game a little bit here. I would say they're probably competing for the three, four seed and avoiding losing seeding opportunities by having another loss of their schedule. So mm-hmm. Montana will get more forgiveness, I think, because NDSU just because of rotational schedule has a way weaker strength of schedule, uh, the way things are playing out. So I think Montana can get more forgiveness and still possibly see a seven, eight seed where NDSU really can't lose another game. Otherwise, I'm not yeah, gonna... you lose one more, you're not going to have a good win at For all. For sure. And uh, there are big matchups. NDSU is on the bye, but there are other teams, and you're going to see a lot of these in the game of the week. What matchup holds the biggest ramification this upcoming weekend, Andrew Markham wants to know. Boy, we have some big ones. 
I'm just going to pull up the rankings for this, but most of these games probably come from the big sky. And Jamie, when you look across the board, man, don't do any score predictions because we've got lots of those coming up at the end. But which one do you think actually holds the biggest impact down the line, dude? I'm going off of the board. I'm not going to one of those big matchups. Really? In the big sky. Mercer and Chattanooga play this weekend. Bitch. <laughs> That's what I was gonna do. Sorry for language. Sorry We're for language. It. We're not beeping it. We never said it was a kid show. I've been waiting for this one for a while because I've have been beating the drum that Mercer is the most complete and by far best team in the Southern Conference. I, I like both sides of the ball for them. I, I think Fred Payton's an excellent quarterback. Uh, they get this is a prove it game for them, and to me, and apologies completely to. Samford, who I think is still very good. I think this is the de, de facto championship game for this conference. I, I've said all along I don't like Chattanooga's offense as much. I love their defense. Um, since it's not in our prediction, I think Mercer's going to win this game. And Mercer, they completely pass eye test. I watched them a little bit this week against East Tennessee State. They have a balanced offense. They have everything you would want in a team that if they were – NDSU, they'd be number one. I mean, I mean, maybe that's an overstatement, but this is a good football team. They are just on a roll for a seed, and the bitch concedes to Kyler for his answer. <laughs> oh, Kyler, I'll give you a little break before you answer, Andrew. I actually do think it's South Dakota State at UND because I think SDSU has closed the door on the top two seed talk for fifty percent of it, if that makes sense. You know. So I think if SDSU ends up, the ramifications, if SDSU loses, the window is open if you watch How I Met Your Mother. Um, and top two seeding is up in the air all over the place if they've got two losses, even if one of them is FBS. Uh, but if SDSU comes away and wins it, boy, I don't see them losing the rest of the way out. And the ramification is everybody's playing for one top two seed amongst a lot of big sky matchups. And uh, of course, the three, four and everything else. So. Kyler, since you've been stolen, you lost your your answer. Likely, do you have a backup, or are you just like punt it? No, no. This this one's actually super easy. I, I'm surprised you guys didn't take it. So I'll use my number two. It's easily one in five Eastern Washington versus one in five Cal Poly. Oh um, yes, it's going uh, against a former coach. Draft, it makes a ton of sense. For the first no. Um, here's one that we didn't mention, and I don't think we will, but. Because the CA has been so up in arms, you have five and two Elon playing five and two New Hampshire, right? This one is because, right, there's probably seven teams when you look at just the record that are playoff caliber teams in the CA. You know, not of all, not all of them are going to make it. This one is going to be really interesting because um, Elon, you know, they just had some big wins against Richmond. I've had um, Elon ranked for a little while. Um, but I mean, yeah, this this is potentially what the CAA title contender because I know Elon has one loss, but right now if yeah. UNH, even though they haven't had the toughest schedule, if they beat Elon, who's left on their schedule? They play um, Richmond. Richmond. That's going to be tough. Yeah, that's Rhode it. Island. That's going to be tough. Yeah, Rhode and Island. Maine. I mean, Maine just had a big win, but it's not that difficult. But that's a rivalry game, I assume. They don't have to play Delaware. New Hampshire could be the New Hampshire of the last, you know, when they when they went 16 yep. years in a row or whatever. 
I mean, yeah, and I, don't I think this play is William a, Mary either. Yeah, I think this is a big matchup because they avoid Delaware, they avoid William Mary, and they have three tough, three toughish games left. Um, but I know we're going to talk about some of those big sky matchups anyway, so I didn't want to ex- include those. And also, I don't think there's true giant ramifications besides one's going to be a seed, one's probably not, um, or one's going to be higher seed than one's not. They're all going to be playoff teams. This one can change the course of the CA. I mean, New Hampshire is five and two. If they go two and two. Undefeated that's seven versus, wins. Yes, yes, two. Right? Uh, no, they lost in no, North they lost Carolina. Central, which actually yeah, looks like not a bad loss anymore. Because North Carolina Central looks like the class of the MEAC, and they are just hammering people like they did in New Hampshire. Yeah, they had one but bad a seven-win CAA team, you know, that's that's usually a recipe to get in. And if they beat one of Elon or Richmond, I think they, they've got a, a good, clear window. Yeah. yeah but, yeah, um, you stole my Chattanooga one, so appreciate uh, you, you jerk. Well, that was my second one, so maybe I should have just oh, gone to that. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, maybe you can use these teams over again because we're on our final question of the Big Seven, guys. Andrew Market wants to know. Andrew asked like a ton of questions and they were all good. So congratulations, Andrew. You are going to be mentioned a lot in this podcast and you deserved it. So um, actually, this is a typo. This is Joshua Hoffman. Sorry, Andrew, this one's not you. I was like, Andrew Markham's down there. We just answered it. Andrew, you still (laughs) did a phenomenal job. And if you're watching on YouTube, you're seeing a little bit of an edit. Joshua Hoffman, I can't forget you because I met you this weekend at the game. Oh, and BS, he wanted me to ask or or let everyone know, and maybe even me ask, what was the high five thing with your kid? The high five thing with my kid. Yeah, he uh, oh. might have to pull it up. Josh popped, he did pop into our tailgate tent. He was looking for the SDSU crew, and um, I was teaching Emmett the differences between high five fist bump, the bison horns and everything just on the chair. So well, he said, just give your kid a shout out for the high five. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's all it was. That's all yep. it was. Okay. So I was teaching him. So of course he gave Josh one right as he came in, but nice you know, teaching those kindergartners the right way. There you go. Um, well, Joshua Hoffman wants to know what matchup holds the biggest ramification this upcoming weekend. And of course I just said that whole thing, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Boy, you get one NDSU loss in you, up, and I'm not going to edit this out. Josh's question was, who is the best team no one's talking about? Now we've got to pull There up. we go. Who is the team nobody's Josh, talking about? The bye and I can't get his shit together. Yeah, I had one bye week, <laughs> and look what happened. So who is the team nobody's talking about? You know what? I might as well go first since I can't get any of this stuff right. It is Chattanooga. Boy, I don't think anybody in the FCS community talks about Chattanooga. I hear about Mercer. Samford has been on the tip of the tongue now throughout tweets and Sam Herder and everybody else. But I swear on my life, every time I go through the stats top 25, I'm like, Chattanooga. I I myself have not done enough research and looking into Chattanooga. So I'm going to claim them as the team, Josh. Nobody talks about that could make the playoffs as long as I keep playing well, win some of these big matchups. Uh, Jamie, since I can't get my crap together, you take the rest of this question. Who's nobody talking about, dude? Uh, I'm going to let Kyler go first. I heard his feelings last time, so I'll let Kyler go first so that uh, just in case I steal his, and I don't want him to think on his feet again. Uh, so, Kyler, you go ahead, and then I'll throw one out there. Yeah, yeah. Un- unfortunately, um, we're just going to kind of go off the, this game that you talked about. I think Mercer is kind of the one that is flying under the radar. Um, it's really the whole SoCon this year, and maybe it's just because of 
how much crap I've given him in the past. The Socon looks good this year. They look really good. The top half doesn't looks quite a bit better than the bottom half. And that's what they've been missing the last few years. Normally they've all looked about the same and that's why they haven't had enough bids. The top half of the Socon looks quite a bit better than the bottom half. It's looking like a CA. It's looking like a Missouri Valley. It's looking like a big sky where there is giant separation. And that's going to get you more teams in there when you're not failing to the bottom teams. Um, I think Mercer's offense is fantastic. I think their defense is playing really good. Um, I don't think they've been tested yet. So this will be like a fun one where they are going to be tested versus another team I have in my top 13. I think I have both of them in my top 12, really pushing close to it. So, I mean, whoever comes out on top of this is probably going to prove themselves as one of the best teams in a really good shot, strong shot to even get a seed, something like that. But I think Mercer right now has looked like the best team in the SoCon. And if you're not listening to Kevin Marshall, you're probably not hearing too much about Mercer. Or if you're not listening to SoCon fans, Mercer is playing fantastic ball. They're they're elite in every department of, of the field, every single facet. I like them. I think they look really good this year. So we folks need to start talking about the SoCon a little bit more because yeah, it's it's good this year. It's good. And Jamie, would you echo that or you got a different one? Uh, yes, definitely Furman. Um, no, um, actually Furman is playing pretty good, but I'm I'm Furman's going back playing to- good. Purple and white, my teams. Yeah, I, I mean I'm just going back to the CAA, and it's a team I keep talking about because I, I've seen a lot of them, but I don't hear a lot of other people talking about William and Mary. I'm going to keep beating that drum for the tribe. See what I did there? Um, did you? I just think, I just think their their offense is just multi-dimensional and it's hard to stop. They are one bad quarter away from being an unbeaten team with an FBS win. And then that's that'd be a team we'd be talking about just like what can Mercer do? What can other other teams do? What women Mary unbeaten against with an FBS win is a good resume. Unfortunately, they did lose to Elon, which is a good loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, still right there, but I do not want to be the seeded team that has to play William and Mary in the second round because you could lose. And the way that offense plays in their defense, they got a candidate. I, I keep talking about Nate Lynn. John Pius is their leading sack guy. He's going to get looks for, for the Buchanan award as well. So, and then back in their ball Hawks, they take the ball away. I, I can't say enough good stuff about William and Mary. It's keep your eye on them for the rest of the way. Can I add one more that no one has talked about? at all and luckily i had them ranked so i didn't think it was an upset but rhode island they just beat elon right um that was this week i had rhode island ahead of elon and even i was starting to question why do i have rhode island ranked why are they ranked why are they ranked ahead of elon who's murdered people not murder but you know won all their games um and there was just something about rhode island i kind of liked and i maybe it's the de leon's of the world and the Sean Anderson's of the world, probably not those freaking hacks. Um, <laughs> but there was something about Rhode Island that I just kept near. I think they were 16 in my poll somewhere around there. Um, so when this was some big um, upset, Rhode Island beat Elon. It wasn't in my poll. So I'll, I'll take that as a good job, Kyler. But um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good teams that no one's talking about, unfortunately, because you have South Dakota state, you have North Dakota state, and then you have the big sky, which is, doing some crazy things this year. There are some really good teams outside those two conferences this year and probably better than 
what we've seen in, in the last few years in terms of individual team talent across um, some of these conferences. Yeah, and I just want to say real quick, you know, I, I've been terrible at picking the game of the week, but I've been picking along with Joe and Sean's FC estimates segment. Murdering them. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ahead of them uh, right now. So, I mean, even as bad as I've been at our game of the week, I'm still beating those hacks right now. So <laughs> I didn't have a great week last week, so we'll see. But, uh, you know, just got to call them out a little bit since they won't talk about it because Sean got upset. Oh, uh, and, and Jamie, I did finally see that one play from William Mary that you were talking about. Uh-huh. That weird trick option play. Uh, yeah. It's not really a triple option, but kind of. I mean, it's an option play, but it was some trickery. That was that was pretty smooth for the touchdown there. If you guys haven't seen it, maybe we'll post it on our Facebook page um, or on Twitter somewhere. But that that was pretty nasty. Yeah, it's not just to hear the, and just to hear the the coaches in the box next to me just hooting and hollering. That that just made it even better. Yeah, that was that was, was nasty. Great. It's yeah. definitely not the triple option if it worked. So, uh, <laughs> man, spicy in here. Just like some people like their tacos. So. We better do some bets. It's time to put your money where your mouth is. And if you're right, put some tacos in there too. This is Thompson's Taco Bets. All right, gentlemen, taco bet time. Before we get into our bet, which is shown on the screen here, would like to pull something up for you. Standings. All righty, here you go. These are the current taco bets. Where we sit, um, the Illinois State would they win more than two games after week two? You guys were right. I was wrong. So I owe you each a taco there. Uh, we have a few that are unfinished, but South Dakota State, when would their 100-yard rushing streak end? I said it would end at USD. I was wrong. Both of you correct at NDSU. Kyler, the only one right saying under for Isaiah Davis for rushing yards. So right now, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Matt owes four tacos total. Kyler, zero tacos owed. Jamie, you owe one, and we have some NEC action and some Idaho stuff. Looks like, uh, oh, now there you go, man. You have a shot faith. here, buddy. Ye of little faith with the Idaho Vandals looking uh, pretty good for that six and a half over. Uh, but we're going to add another taco bet on top of this, guys. Shout out to Brian Thompson. I got to message him back. Uh, the semifinals will only be the Big Sky and the Missouri Valley teams. This taco bet comes from one tweet from a account run by a Kyler Neal over the weekend. Kyler is standing on the hill that the semifinals will only be Big Sky and Missouri Valley teams. So, Kyler, I'll give you a chance to explain yourself since we know which way you're going on this bet. Yeah, I, I just think as of right now, um, those two conferences are going to have the best opportunity to have the first four seeds, all of those conferences is going to be pretty tough to play in. Let's say the Fargo Dome. Let's say Brookings. Let's say Weber or Sac State, um, Montana State. Yeah, I feel pretty confident. Even though we just touted that there's, or I just said it 10 seconds ago, that there's really good individual teams outside of the Big Sky Missouri Valley. I don't think there's really good semifinal caliber teams, but the quarters can be a mess. But yeah, I still think the Missouri Valley and the Big Sky, their top teams are better than everyone else as of right now. I think there's going to be enough grind, grinded meat, if you will, uh, up over the next four or five weeks, which is going to give some non-Big Sky and Valley teams the opportunities to get seeds and be in just comfortable positions. So I think there has to be one outlier. I'll just play the odds game here. I just can't see it being 
pure Big Sky Missouri Valley. I know it's happened in the past, but I'm going with one outlier minimum. Uh, some of the teams you guys had just mentioned. So I will take an outlier and not on Kyler's side. Jamie, who are you rolling with for this bet? Well, Kyler called me a bitch, so I'm not agreeing with him today. <laughs> so. <laughs> but I actually have a thought around it too, though. So I'm not just being melancholy with my feelings hurt. Um, but SFA I mean, is going to be a semifinal team. They're almost there. Hey, just wait. But here's it's not going to be SFA, though, by the way. Not now. But, I mean, think about some of the teams we've talked about. And the, you have to have the seeds line up perfectly, too. But what says, what's to say that Mercer doesn't win out and get the four and Delaware gets the five? So then the semifinal, you know, that's, that's what I, where I'm looking is the seeds aren't exactly going to match up completely for it to be four teams from those conferences. I know, you know, right now you're looking at six teams that, probably have their foot in the door ahead of everybody else but a lot of them play each other so attrition's gonna happen so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and say somebody else is gonna sneak in should be interesting to see so jamie and i on the same page and we'll see who ends up owing a few more tacos maybe kyler will actually owe one as he's done pretty oh, close oh just mark down the duquesne one that was a throwout pick he they're not winning the <laughs> nec just Put me a, give me a taco. There you give go. Give me a taco for that. Yeah. Well, it's not completed yet, so maybe you've got. No, you don't got a shot there, but we'll no, see. No, I don't got a shot. I mean, there are well, only two games into the conference. There is a shot, but it's not a good one. Well, the odds forever in your favor. Uh, and we'll get. Uh, let's get right into some quick hits, Jen. Just because your question is answered quickly doesn't mean we don't care. These are the quick hit questions of the week. All right, Mr. Williams, I got a question for you to kick off these quick hits. Jeremiah Rash is going to be starting us out here with what is the most surprising upset of the weekend? Uh, I guess I still have to lean towards um, it being Idaho. I mean, just the way Montana plays at Washington Grizzly and Idaho, you know, up and coming type of team. Um, So nothing against Idaho, I just feel like that shocked me at the end of time, but Idaho looked very good. They're very well put together, a very well coached team. So moving forward is not going to surprise me if they take somebody else. But as of this week, that that was my biggest surprise. Yes, that was quite the shocker. Um, speaking of shocker, uh, Jason Plotkin wants to know, is Northwestern State for real, or do we have to wait for these upcoming games games to learn more? Uh, Jason, I'm going to have to say you're going to have to wait. Um, they are three and four overall, Northwestern State. Their three wins in the conference, which they are three and oh, and have not been against the, you know, top, top of the top. They're number one in the stands right now, but those final two weeks, my man, you're going to have to travel to my Lions from southeastern Louisiana, me and Danny's. And then you got to play Incarnate Word. So we're going to have to pump the brakes and especially remember the result when they played Montana. So. We'll just uh, we'll hold off on that one. Kyler, Jacob Martinez, um, off to the FBS soon. I hope he still does pick him for us. He's doing such a great job. He wants to know, he would think Coach Bohannon and the triple option are on the hot seat given this weekend and they, the fact that they announced the move up to CUSA. Do you think they'll find a new home in the, the FCS? This is interesting. Do you think a triple option style coach and his staff are going to find more work if they're fired? 
Well, Coach Bohannon follows me, so I'm never going to say anything bad about him personally. <laughs> I can talk bad about the triple option system, but brand. Coach Bohannon, he's the best. He's the For greatest. The um, I don't know why he follows me. I'm not that important. But um, I don't know if, if the staff's on the hot seat as well as maybe the scheme is on the hot seat. I think maybe because he's been so successful with them since they joined, since they started their program. Hats off to Kennesaw State. I don't think many programs can start and do what they've done. They've been a playoff caliber team, quarterfinal caliber team. Just the triple option is not going to be successful. So maybe they try and find a new offensive coordinator and see what can happen there. But I don't think he's on the hot seat yet. Yeah. And if he is, he can find an FCS job. Oh, I for mean, sure. Yeah. Easily. Yep. If he, you develop a program like that, you're going to find work. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, Bruce Edmiston, awesome Jacksonville State fan, wants to know, is there <laughs> ever a good reason to play football on a baseball field? I got two answers for you, Bruce. Number one, NDSU did do it at Target Field to open a, the year one year, and that was pretty sweet uh, because we actually played outdoors, as you and many would say, that's real football. So we got to play real football out of the baseball field, and they actually made it look really good. You had, you know, a split of grass and dirt, but hey, it is what it is. There's never a good reason, though, to play a football game where you only go in one direction. That is, there's never a good reason for that unless there's terrible things coming from the other side, like a hurricane or something intense. Uh, but no, baseball field, you could pull it off. Just make sure you can go both ways when you play. It's very, very weird. Um, Jamie, best man, stats top 25 voter, official voter. Front runners for the Eddie Robinson Award, Andrew Markham. Actually, Andrew Markham, not Joshua Hoffman, wants to know this. Yeah. Andrew, thanks for bringing this one back up. Sorry I missed it last week. I meant to get that one in, but it is a good question, and it actually is a good week to ask that question. Uh, the voting panel, we give five answers. I'm going to give you three names right now. Uh, number one, Jason Eck. I mean, big difference between Paul Petrito and Jason Eck. A lot of the same players, although he also might have Jerry Rice potential front runner Giovanni McCoy. Maybe we'll see. Number two, Drew Chronic from Mercer. Uh, can't talk any better about him and his team and what we've done early. Number three, another team we've talked about today, former pain in my rear, Ricky Santos, New Hampshire. When he played at New Hampshire, he was a hell of a player. And daggone, he might have won the Peyton Award back back in the day. I'd have to look that up without coming off the top of my head. But he's done a phenomenal job. He did a phenomenal job when uh, Coach Mack had to go out for health issues. I, I knew he was going to be the guy to get the job, and he's done a wonderful job and could be leading that team back to the playoffs. So three quick names um, right there. Uh, those are my top three favorites right now for that award. Awesome answers, Jamie. Uh, Kyler Neal, the hater, not the hater, maybe the more logical man behind the SFA prediction that Jamie and I had in the preseason. Dustin Elton wants to know, um, the Rev, SFA has not so quietly moved to 4-3 and three on the year with their losses being to teams who are FBS or FBS transitioning. Do they have a legit shot at running their schedule and making a playoff appearance? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, I think they actually do have a legit shot when you look at who they play. Southern Utah, Utah Tech, Central Arkansas, and Abilene Christian again, uh, which I don't get why they're playing them twice. I mean, I do get it because there's a couple teams that abandoned jump ship um if they run the table there is a chance but again how they're doing it is a little funky this year even if you have the better conference record you may not get in as automatic qualifier 
the A Sun, there's a few teams in there that probably have a more difficult schedule, so they may get this bump. But um, yeah, definitely a shot to make the playoffs. No shot at the semifinals, but definitely a shot to make the playoffs. We'll see if uh, good old Lumberjacks can make their way in. Joshua Hoffman, what's the best game no one paid absolutely attention to this weekend? No attention whatsoever. Easy, Josh. It's Hampton versus Albany. Undoubtedly the game nobody paid attention to. Both quarterbacks threw for four touchdown passes. It goes to overtime. Albany, after Hampton scores first, and they go up seven. So we're in our first overtime. Albany scores and decides to go for two. They just say, screw it. We're going for the win. They run a basically like this funky run draw play, and they're stopped like a yard and a half short, and Albany is uh, defeated. So the Great Danes go down in shame. Final score, 38-37. Nobody on planet Earth knew about that game. But, uh, hey, it ended up being pretty sweet. Kyler, back to you. What game would you rather see in person? You're a big sky guy. Would you rather go to Weber at Montana State or Montana at Sac State? And uh, our good friend Cody Whirlinger wants to know. Oh, uh, Weber at Montana State. Even though Montana at Sac State is going to be a much more entertaining game, the crowds in Bozeman are fantastic. Give me a crowd in Bozeman over a crowd in Sacramento any day of the week and twice on Sunday. The cowbell will be ringing, uh, and it's a top-five matchup for sure where Montana may not be a top-five team anymore. And the Kings aren't playing basketball at that time. So, like, what's the point of going out there to Sacramento? Uh, Jamie Williams, Chris Hammond, he might still be partying after a dominating win for his Vandals. Um, he has two questions for us. The first one is, and everyone's free to answer here, the Forerunner or the Jeep? What do you prefer? Chris, those sound like gas vehicles, so I don't have a lot of interest. Um, but I think Jeeps are pretty cool, so I take a Jeep. Uh, Jamie, what do you got, man? Definitely a Jeep. Take the doors off. Take the, let the top down. You know, cruise down to the beach. Yeah, I'll take a Jeep. Oh Maybe. gosh, Pacific Northwest. I, I think we're all Forerunner guys up up in the Northwest. Going Forerunner Jeep. There's many Jeeps sold up here in North Dakota because of all the mountains and the hills. You know, uh, Chris <laughs> Hammond. Also, the final quick hit question: Estimates on each host chug time if they were chugging out of the Little Brown Stein. Ooh, this is a good question. Our backdrop on YouTube tonight is Idaho hosting that trophy. Um, estimates on each host chug time. Uh, How many pints is that? That's a big. That's a big stein. That's a big thing. And is it You're, hollow all the way through, or is it like? Because I haven't seen the inside of the stein. That's actually a really good question. Yeah, let's, that changes things. Let's assume that it is. I will self-admit, I my man card was lost a long time ago. I have no ability to chug beer burns my throat i can't get it down like i have no ability to chug beer it would be pathetic i think i would start and then after 20 seconds everyone chanting i just quit and go no 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 so mine would be a pathetic horrible attempt jamie you think you could get through it and how quickly um you know i mean you guys have been with me in frisco you know i don't drink a lot but you know if you throw down a challenge like that i i'm not a bad chugger i don't know that i could defeat mr neil over there but i don't think it'd be the blowout that you would expect if we were chugger against each other Ooh, i like that we may need to test it with just maybe a small beer kyler would you be number one here i don't think any of us can chug the stein if it's the size i'm thinking it is <laughs> i mean this might be a you know chug a quarter of it 
take a pee break, chug a quarter of it. That thing looks pretty gnarly, man. Um, We're old. But We're old. yeah, we can definitely have, let's say, a pint chugging contest in Frisco. Let's do that. Um, guys, I don't think any of us are chugging through on that Stein unless it's not as hollow as I think it is. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I, I don't care if my man card's taken away. That thing is gnarly looking. That looks like a half gallon or a gallon. I'm not chugging that thing. If if you can chug that Stein, then you keep your man card even if you go to Taco Bell and <laughs> you know do all the things that Matt does. Oh, I don't. If you could chug about. the Stein, then you could always keep the man card no matter what. Fair that, enough. But that, let's have let's have a a pint chugging contest. It's easy. Oh. Everyone can do that. I might even uh, do that with you guys. I've already, uh, as soon as you guys kind of brought that up 30 seconds ago in my mind, I'm like, maybe I have a, now I have a small special surprise twist. So maybe I'll pack some extra things that are going through my mind. Uh, but before we get to Frisco plans, which is coming up quicker than we all realize, we better figure out who's going to win some games of the week. This is the matchup you should be paying attention to. This is the FCX Fans Nation Game of the Week. We should have switched that to games because there's three giant matchups this weekend. Damn the game of the week. All of us are picking a different game. Everybody gets their own individual one. Uh, so best of luck to you against yourself. And we start with, and of course, as you see on the screen, rankings are as of October 16th on Sunday when we record. SDSU is likely your number one seed at this point when you listen. Six and one, South Dakota State goes to number 20, UND. Uh, this will be my pick, gentlemen, and I will take um, South Dakota State to win in a close one. I think UND is actually pretty competitive here. I think it's just a slam into each other. Absolute. Beast of a game. Defenses both play well. But I think South Dakota State's not going to have a letdown. I think Stig's going to have them ready to go. So I'll take South Dakota State to win that game actually in like 21 to 13 fashion. So I think it is going to be closer, but give me the rabbits to pull away. Uh, we will roll right into this one. Uh, number three at the time, 5-1 and one Montana will travel to Sacramento State. And uh, since, Kyler, you said you'd rather go to Montana State, I'm going to give this one to Jamie. So, Jamie, what do you think? Mont the Grizz going to Sac State. Oh, you flipped it up on me. Um, oh, I yeah, I did. I switched it up. Okay. No, keep yeah. it. No, keep, keep it. it. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I, I can, we can adjust, adapt on the fly. We're big boys. Uh, I just think Sacramento State, um, Cameron Scadabo is going to do some crazy run again like he does every week or so. I uh, had one yesterday that was pretty darn yes, phenomenal. Yeah, uh, I think it was number four. Uh, uh, that's just a, another fun player to watch. I think Montana is going to compete. They're going to come in there. They're going to try to avenge the loss. But I think Sacramento State, a little bit more balanced, a uh, little bit better team. So I'm going to go Sacramento State in the 21-17 range and – See if I put another kiss of death on somebody. <laughs> We're having two close games so far, and let's see what the third one ends up like. Mr. Neal, number six, six and oh, Weber State at number four, six and one, Montana State. Likely those rankings are a little higher. What do you think, man? Bobcats or Wildcats? So, this was a fun game last year where Weber finally got healthy. This was the, the time of the year where Weber was finally healthy. It was in Ogden last year. It was a three-point game. Both 
slobber knocker type of defensive style games. I don't think it's going to be that quite this year. Montana State's defense definitely looks regressed. Their offense does look a little more capable, but so does Weber's. Weber's offense is firing at all cylinders this year, which is pretty surprising. And their defense, the eye test and the stats, they're one of the best defensive teams in the nation. Um, I really do believe that. It's going to be interesting. Malott really struggled versus Northern Colorado in the start of the game. Then he started just putting it together and blew them out the doors. It, it was all that. Weber State is not a defense that you can start off slow against. Give me Weber State. I think they may be the best-looking team so far to start the year. Not Maybe not the best resume, but best-looking eye test. Give me Weber State 31, Montana State 20. Ooh, ooh, you have been high on Weber State, though. So this is the time we're going to see if the Wildcats are what we thought they were, Mr. Denny Green. All right, gentlemen, that brings us to the end of the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Thank you so much to everybody supporting us. We said it in the beginning. It has been amazing. The following that continues to grow. Um, just a reminder to follow us at FCS Fans Nation on Facebook and Twitter. We also have a TikTok account now. Uh, so if you're on TikTok and you love that, Kyler Neal has been ramping that up heavy. and We appreciate his work there. The Facebook and Twitter pages are important because you, it's just crazy to think. We're like five weeks away from a playoff pick em challenge. Um, we are basically 70 days away from Christmas, and then it's going to be Frisco. Like The season is ramping up. So all the fun activities we do in the postseason, the mock playoff specials, everything is going to be through those pages and, of course, right here on YouTube. So make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify for this podcast and follow us on our pages. Uh, Jamie, Kyler, myself, hopefully next week we have some winning feelings between the three of us, but we are never losers when we all three get to hang out. So thank you so much to everybody else for hanging out with us, and we'll catch you next week. Oh. Thank you for listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, or even YouTube. And make sure to follow our FCS Fans Nation social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the premier podcast for FCS football. Both. A lot of not that this year. <laughs>